1: Jay here for Stretford Paddock and this is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me as always, but from afar this time, is my co-host, Ronaldo Brown. How we doing, Miss Miss
0: your finger on the lips. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. Just...
1: <laughs> we don't need to get into that. We're not in the studio. You're all right, mate? You're missing me because yeah, I'm man. in the studio today. I'm at home in the middle of uh, moving house. But basically, yeah, as it's... many people probably noticed, we did a Tier 1 Transfer Podcast on Monday with... Uh, i mate, Henry Winter, but we thought now that the transfer window's ended, we'd have a a little bit of a recap. Really, we just have a quick yeah. podcast, a recap because we started this uh, a few months ago, wasn't it feels like about five yeah. years ago. But in the summer, we started this podcast, and we said, you know, when we can, we'll speak to the, the sort of the most reliable journalists, the the tier ones, if you if you want to call them that, which we obviously do. Um, and, and get their take on transfers. So during the summer, we spoke to Fabrizio Romano, Christian Falk, Paul Hurst, James Cooper, Simon Peach, um, Some
0: small names there, isn't it? Mohamed Bahafsi.
1: Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to miss someone out. There was also, you know, we spoke to people over the Journey, Patrick Berger, uh, we spoke to Peter Rusler from the Athletic, um, Sam Lee as well, of course. We spoke to him about City, it's got to be done. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I, I forgive me if I'm, uh, I'm missing and out. they anyway. spoke to
0: Jay Motty. They
1: did. They spoke to... And Ronaldo <laughs> Brown. Oh, we spoke to Darren uh, Lewis as well, as well. Let's not forget Darren. Darren spoke Lewis. spoke to him about... Uh, ah, great podcast, Raik. that one. I love that one. It's probably my favourite yeah. one about racism in football and in sport. Um, but during the summer, we spoke to them all. And we spoke to them all about pretty much the same thing. Jadon Sancho coming to Manchester United. That was the main story we spoke to them about. And at the beginning of the summer... Many of them were saying, you know, it looked like it could happen. United were keen for it to happen. Jaden Sancho was keen for it to happen. Um, the sort of Dortmund had named their price. The, the deadline for Dortmund came and went, August the 10th. That didn't happen. Then we started to get more journalists, didn't we, that saying it wasn't looking likely. Christian Falk, I remember, saying it was like each day that went past, the, the chances got slimmer. We spoke to some of the guys over in Germany, Patrick Berger, the, the correspondent for Sport Irons. Not the ex Liverpool player. He said that he felt he could, you know, he covers Dortmund that they weren't willing to sell at all. And then obviously the the actual deadline came and went and it it didn't happen. Just look, go to get a bit of a recap. When did you start to think this ain't going to happen, Jaden Sancho to United? Because we were speaking, weren't we? And we were pretty confident at first. And then it just got less and less likely. And now obviously it didn't happen.
0: Now, you know, one of them where they say the hope is hope that kills. It's one of them where I've been kind of, (laughs) I've been kind of pessimistic about it for the past couple of weeks or so really because it just, it's when we hit that stalemate of, I think everyone should have realised that it could possibly not happen from when it basically said personal terms agreed and all the jokes about personal terms agreed FC with Jaden Sancho and he basically wanted to move and all that was holding us back was us giving Dorman the money that they wanted. And it's it's one of those instances where, from you've got into that stage, it's one more step to go, really. And obviously we heard there was a little bit of awkward um, in stuff surrounding like intermediaries or whatever, and agents. And apparently that wasn't, well, they've come out recently and said that could have been the issue. The reason why United kind of held on, held off on a Janus Sancho move was possibly the situation where we pay 120 million to buy him in and then apparently it would cost nearly 100 million more in basically add-ons and other fees and that's kind of what dissuaded uh, United and the board but in terms of my own kind of I don't know in terms of my opinion I'm not sure how confident I was for quite a while now obviously I didn't really show it too much I kind of always held out feeling like maybe would pull it off maybe United you know, are just trying to heighten an engagement right until the end and then pull it off deadline day just to maximise what views, sales, you know, your football is a business, so it could very much have been that, but it just seemed like United never were prepared to actually get it done. To be honest with you, it just looked like one of them where Dortmund United butt heads, and then from when they butt heads, it was basically a done deal, like it wasn't going to happen from then. And when it came to deadline day, I felt like it was a big ask for it to be done, right at the end.
1: I mean, we'll go on to other targets a little bit later, but but it was obvious from everyone we spoke to and and the journalists we spoke to, and they were all sort of saying the same thing, that you've got a player here who wants to come to Manchester United. You've got a player that Manchester United need. Dortmund have set that price. Everyone knows this. So what, what do you think went wrong there? Do you think it was just United being naive, thinking, oh... Dortmund will lower the price. Dortmund, because of the pandemic, maybe Dortmund will do this. Or do you think it was even a case of Manchester United, really and truly, had no intention of of going for it with Jadon Sancho? It was almost like a bit of a smokescreen, because I've heard some people saying that, that how, how serious were we about getting this guy if we weren't actually putting in a solid bid that Dortmund were going to accept? Was it just a case of, oh, you know what, we're in for him and then people are distracted from the fact that, you know, We'll get on to what we did sign, who we did sign, sorry, in a minute, but distracting we don't look at the fact that we haven't spent a lot of money in this this window. Or do you think it was just a case of United being a little bit naive or arrogant? How
0: do you look at that? Do you know it is actually very awkward when you do look at it because it's one of those where it you could say United knowing that the evaluation for or the valuation for Jadon Sancho being 120 million pounds and the fact that we supposedly did go in for a bid of around 91 million pounds which is a good 30 million away from it and it's it's one of them where people are looking at thinking did United go in and deliberately bid for it well basically give an offer that they knew was going to get rejected but just to in the end say look at least we tried but but realistically did we actually want him or want him enough to kind of pay 30 million pounds extra because i always saw it as if he was going to bid 30 million pounds or less and we had that many players you wanted to get rid of what kind of to me was it was the scenario where united didn't seemingly seen that progressive in terms of getting rid of the deadwood or getting rid of the players to kind of help fund the deal we've got more players now that we don't really have in our plans than actually getting in players that we do because obviously we've signed Pellestri, we've signed Diallo, we've signed Cavani, which is relatively a short-term thing because he's 33 years of age now and you've signed Alex Tellez in the left-back area where you've got two other left-backs already and we've we've been saying in every single t one podcast that we don't see left-back as being a huge need but obviously that might have changed recently with the recent performances of Luke Shaw and so forth but it's somewhere where we have depth. It's like, it's we've got areas in the pitch where we don't have that much depth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what we've done is we've kind of went for areas that supposedly have enough there to maybe get by, but there's bigger needs elsewhere. But we've not actually done that because the biggest need going in transfer window is right wing. We have brought in two youngsters, but. They're not, they're not finished products. It's like one of those where I look at it as if in transfer windows, especially in your club like United, and you've got the talent that you do have. Because don't get me wrong, we do have talent in the squad. When you are making transfers, you need to make sure that they are not lateral moves. So there's no point bringing in players that are basically even with what you've got already, or or less than what you've got already. It only makes sense if you're trying to, if you're trying to get better and you're trying to aim higher. Like the way we are, finishing third, finishing Champions League, probably overachie- overachieving and going into obviously a harder level of football this season. You need to make world-class signings, you need to make game-changing signings, you need to make marquee signings and that's the way I see it. Bringing in the players that we do have, you don't know if it brings that and Jalen Sancho is basically the sole player, maybe Grealish as well, that could take you a level up because when you're looking at other clubs, the likes of City, the likes of Liverpool, um they they can afford in a way to make more lateral moves in terms of transfers because you've already got that much talent in the squad. So they're just trying to fill it out off of depth. But when you're united and you're trying to do you're play basically playing catch-up and not getting left behind, you can't afford to make those moves. You need to be making moves to get better. So um it's it is just it is really frustrating. I don't know how well, we do know the board's been very incompetent and, and not shown that much ambition. And we've got every right to be annoyed by
1: that. 100%. It's funny, you mentioned Jack Grealish and that seems like a a lifetime away. We were, were, yeah, it does, doesn't it? It feels like about four years ago. But we were linked with him. And I think it was on our second episode, I think it might have been, of this show, we spoke to, I think James Cooper said that the interest was real, but then Grealish went and signed a new deal with Villa. And once that happened, it was more or less over. And United had this sort of, there was we spoke other journalists we spoke to as well mentioned as United were sort of focused on Jaden Sancho but you you look at Grealish as an example there that had United maybe gone in early and gone in hard for Jack Grealish and said to Villa right okay you know sixty million straight away maybe there's a you know Villa might have been tempted but once he signed that new deal it was over and it's also the same with Upper Meccano because we spoke to mommy but have Bojavs- said we spoke to Christian Falk, sorry Christian yeah. Falk sorry and he yeah. said that had United gone in early for Deo open and Meccano, a deal could have been done there, he felt. He felt that, you know, mm. had United early doors gone, boom, is I don't know, 35, 40 million. Then maybe Leipzig would have uh, been up for that. But we didn't, we waited. And then it was like, once we waited, there was no chance. And just finally, even the Gabriel Magales one, which you always forget yeah. about now, don't
0: you? Because yeah, you always forget about that. Yeah, because
1: he's gone to, he's gone to Arsenal, but we were linked with him, and we rest. Tier one journalists were saying United inquired with him for him. Yeah, at the at the eleventh hour, and sorry, just one final one before I get back to you. One final one I almost forgot. <laughs> Even Thiago Alcantara. oh, there was United. Every name inquiries.
0: You know what, sorry? Every name under the suns. It was, was and I know a lot of it.
1: I know a lot of it is agents say, "Oh, United are in for him." Oh, you know, you better act fast if you're Liverpool or you're whoever or Arsenal, and it helps get a deal done. But it does seem that in some of these cases, there were there was a general inquiry, a genuine inquiry. Sorry, where the, the club or whoever have said I've asked about that player, and it makes think why we've why we've waited so long, why we've asked at the eleventh hour, why have we gone in and, and made an, an inquiry for a player that's almost already out the door and already got a done deal with someone else, and and it seems that United dragging their heels has really cost us this summer.
0: Yeah, it has, but when you're talking about the centre back, in the fact that Christian Fort came on and said we could have got Dio Up open McInnol if we acted fast and acted early, it it makes you kind of feel like did United see centre back as an area that they needed improvement? But I felt like even going into the transfer window, even though we had seven centre backs or something along them lines in the club, I'm I'm quite sure centre half was an area that Solskjaer did point out and say, we do need a centre-half. Like and Neville was saying the same things going into the end of the season. And so it's not one of those where we can be like, let the board off the hook or let United off the hook thinking we had areas of need elsewhere that were more important. That was an area of need. So if you've got young talents like Dio Pemekano, he was sensational at the end of last season, especially in Champions League football, which is, the pinnacle of world football, really. When it comes to club football, there's no, there's no, real, there's no really excuse for it. You can't really say, "Oh, what's our scouting network like?" What's our It all comes down to stuff like director of football, like who's advising these things, who's really making these decisions. Because it's, it's you let a player like that slip through the net, and then in the next transfer windows, where everyone's finances catch up, everyone's back on their feet, and football is more normal in that sense then you're going to get other clubs coming in and making those transfers even more difficult and then we're trying to bargain now and we're not going to be able to bargain later when other clubs are bidding as well because seven cent whatever whatever we had in it doesn't matter if we did act early then we could have done it but you can't just react now it's, it's almost as if we've seen our defensive frailties have come out and a lot of our defensive statistics last year being the best in Europe might just have been a massive facade and might have just been papering cracks a little bit. And as I basically mentioned earlier in the news, it just seems like United in recent times have a tendency to be more reactive than proactive when it comes to the transfer window.
1: I just want to get to one um, because we will get to all these targets in a minute, because we know that Oli had, from reports, a lot of targets. The players I've mentioned and a couple of others. Um, but in terms of the plays we got in and the way we went about it, now, the first sort of summer signing was van der Beek. Yeah. And me and you, we do the news a lot. We do paper talk, me yeah. and most mornings one of us does it or someone else on the channel. Sure. We do the tier one every week. Sometimes we've done it twice a week. And there was yeah. nothing really leading up to van der Beek signing that indicated we were going to get him. Like, we spoke, we we regularly spoke to journalists and no one was saying van der Beek will be United signing it sort of started on a saturday morning and by the monday it was almost done like it was like oh united could be in for van der beck and on monday it was like done deal in fact sunday night it was done like that and cavani almost came a little bit out of nowhere as well it was there was a rumor maybe cavani or luka jovic and then next thing you know cavani was sort of done teller's one dragged on a little bit but my point i'm getting at is with the Van der Beek signing and made it a little less against the 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 Cavani signing, do you think we didn't know about those signings because we spoke to a lot of journalists because they were almost spur the moment decisions, or do you think the club kept it under wraps? How do you see those signings?
0: I don't think our club keeps any <laughs> transfer interest under wraps. You know, I feel like we try to make it as public as possible, which to a fault. I don't know. Obviously, as I said, heightened engagement, garner more excitement. I don't know why it is, but. I think with the Van der Beek one, he was kind of linked to us on, only subtly a few weeks beforehand, but there was literally nothing leading up to it. I and think. I funny. think to be fair, sorry.
1: Yeah. You, you you mentioned that. I think Casey had it in his news, didn't he? The week, yeah. the, the week, the, the, the few days before, he said United you know are looking him, but there was nothing like this is about to happen. Here we go. There was none of that.
0: Nah, not at all. It literally seemed to happen overnight, which I don't know how. how it did. Well, we do know how basically Sar just basically said, "Here you go," and signed it off. Exactly. Just rang him, CEO, and just that is <laughs> that is not a representation of the way the likes of Matt Judge and our our club works. That is just the fact that we have a friend. It's as the old adage about I don't know if it is an old adage. It might be a new one, but it's not what you know. It's just who, and not going to be that's not new. <laughs> I know. Well, when he was born. <laughs> but it's not it, like that. He's even older than me. That's how old it is. Yeah, no, that It can't be any more prevalent than like than in that. Basically transfer the fact that it happened overnight. and Even that, Donny van der Beek, the area that he came in the pitch, it wasn't an ex- extreme need, was it? But he's just another quality player to add. So depth is never a bad thing. But there were more pressing issues elsewhere. I know Everest come out recently and looked at Donny van der Beek and said, why is he not starting? Did we actually need him? And um we probably we do we did we did definitely need him because when the drop off between Bruno Pogba to like other midfielders were too were too vast. And obviously that that's kind of narrowed by the signing of Van De Beek, but um it just came to the situation where we're looking at it as if right wing didn't really strengthen there, got a midfielder who doesn't start, we have got a left back who we, do we definitely know he's gonna start. <laughs> and we got a striker in Cavani is, and is if we got full squad, is he starting either? No one's ever thought about that. Um, that's a good point because I think you're right. I think if
1: everyone's fully fit <laughs> and it's a must-win game, like you've got a game where it's City or Liverpool or a cup competition, and you're like, right, I'm gonna play my full strength team. Maybe tellers gets in the in the side over Luke Shaw or, or Brandon Williams. Don't think Cavani breaks into the front three, if I'm being honest. I don't think Van der Beek. Gets in the midfield, unless Ollie plays him as a more of a DM, which he's not, instead of Matic. So you make a good point there. And the point is, we didn't have that this summer. We expected at least one marquee signing. Like, yeah. Sancho at would least. have been a... Yeah. yeah, Sancho's a marquee signing. Even Grealish is a marquee signing. If we hadn't got Sancho we get Grealish. Jack Grealish comes in here, he's given the number seven shirt. He's a, you know, he's a... Quality player, man. Quality player. He's, a, he's in that superstar mould of the way he yeah. plays and the way he is. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right, then, yeah, you know, this is a this is a great signing for Manchester United. Now, van der Beek's a, good, a, a a very good signing. I'm glad we got him. He's not a marquee signing by any stretch. Cavani, if we'd have got him five years ago, then that is a marquee yeah. signing, but not at 33 years old when he's a free agent. And let's not kid ourselves, a €15 million euro left, left back ain't a, ain't a marquee signing, no matter how, unless he's signing for Old Tringham. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. So, none <laughs> of these were like the big player where you go, Oh, United, you know, United are, uh, are up for this. And that sort of leads me to the next thing, because I know you've covered it a little bit in your news that all he had is targets, didn't he? Yeah. He had Upper Meccano, he had Grealish, he had um, Sancho. Sancho. Okay. We know this. Tier 1 journalists have, have been speaking about it. Um, he got none of them. didn't get any. Now, people can say, Well, there's a pandemic on United are losing 4 million a game. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone's having to deal with the pandemic. I still see, I know Chelsea've got rich owners, but yeah. even, and so City, but still, you Our know. owners aren't broke. No, well, the club's <laughs> not broke. The clubs, Well, the club's in debt, but they're taking money out of clubs still. And also, yeah. you know, Spurs have spent, the Scousers have spent. Uh, have we seen Everton, the table, Jay? Everton have spent.
0: Everton have spent. Literally, have you seen the table net spend-wise? We've been outspended by like 30 million by the likes of Leeds and Aston Villa. It's just—it's
1: so, um, a, a disgrace. It's a disgrace. So, and, you know, when we started this this podcast and when we started the summer, almost when we started the channel after the relaunch, yeah. there was so much hope on an expectation over signings. You know, oh, maybe maybe if we don't get Sancho, we'll get Grealish, or we'll at least get up a Meccano or another quality quality defender. Even if it was someone like Benoit Mendy Shield, you know, the young lad. Yeah, uh, France. Yeah. To the start. yeah, the Monaco lad, I think. Even if we get him like, oh, you know, that's someone who could come in and play alongside Aaron Maguire in a role and get better and better or whatever. We get any of them. Now, I'm not criticising the players we've got because I'm glad we've signed some yeah. some of them. And I did a thing on Cavani yesterday and I think he brings something different to the team. Van der Beek, we need to cover when Pogba and Bruno are, uh, are injured or knackered, which they are now. And sellers. he looks like a great ocean on left. But as you mentioned there, there's no definite first start. Or there's no marquee signing. And we thought there was going to be, and I just wanted to think, you know, what, so you, what do you think that says about this board and this board's sort of treatment of Oli to Solskjaer? Do you think they've thrown him under the bus? To an extent,
0: um, they have. But it's it, it's kind of, two, two things can be true, as people say. So it can be the board haven't backed Ollie enough and it can be Ollie's not done enough with what we have. So you can't, can, two things can go hand in hand but it's 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 just an instance where this isn't a present thing or it's not a new thing. Past managers we've had in recent times have ordered the same things saying that they've had targets, they've had wants, they've had needs that the board has not been able to go through in terms of transfers and unless they see how it fits them or fits their kind of way we've obviously had Failed marquee signings like Falcao and Di Maria, but and Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez as well. But Van Gaal and Mourinho have been past managers that have come out and all the same things that are happening to Solskjaer now is that they've gone into transfer windows with targets for people they wanted to, to get in and they've not been able to sign any of them. So it's Oli being thrown under the bus, possibly, yes, but it's been happening for a while now. So I don't know. If I don't know, I feel like the only way to, to possibly improve this or for this to get better is something's got to change up at the top. And that's the only way I can see my club or our club moving forward because it's hard to kind of evaluate managers when they're not being able to get what what they kind of want because we've seen very, very, very good spells by Oli, but we've seen bad spells as well. So his, his reign's been a bit difficult, or his tenure's been quite difficult to... To kind of have an opinion on or, or to judge. And obviously it doesn't help now going into a season where nearly everyone around us has has kicked on and leveled up and then we've seemingly gone backwards. So um there's no way, there's no way, shape or form we can look at the board and feel like they've backed Oli fully. No matter what you want to say, no matter what you think of Oli, whether you are pochettino in or whether you're any of that, you cannot honestly sit stand there or sit there or lie there, whichever one you want to do. And say to yourself, the board has fully backed Oli, and that's basically how I see it. He's been, I think he's been left. How can you go from finishing third, probably over overachieving, had having that sensational run of form towards the end of the season? You know you're going into Champions League football. You are miles off City and Liverpool, and you want to close the gap. You should be going into the transfer window like, like a madman, thinking I'm ambitious. I want to get this squad back up to where it needs to be, I need to get United back to where it needs to be, and then have a transfer window like we've had, it just doesn't correlate with me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. I think many people
1: have compared it to Jose's last summer at the club, we finished second, albeit 19 points behind City, you need to, you're you need to kick on, they go out and spend £60 million on Riyad Mahrez, break their transfer record, we buy Diogo Delo, Fred, who <laughs> Jose obviously didn't fancy, and, and, and a third yeah, and a first choice goalkeeper. I mean, it's it's a joke. Um, just finally, before we wrap up, I want to ask you now because the Sancho thing doesn't even end, mate. You think we've had enough of it this summer? It's still going on because I think it was Romano was saying that United may have competition for him. I think...
0: um going to be haunted by him.
1: We are going to be haunted by James Sancho. Um, I spoke to, I think it was Constantine Eckner the other day who's a German journalist, and he was saying that next season, next summer, jealousy might even be in for Sancho. Um, I know you had it in the news as well about Open United could go in for him again. Do you see United getting any of these targets that we've missed out on this summer, next summer? Do you think that we are going to go again and we are going to put a proper bid in for Jadon Sancho and that they open Mercano, could become a Manchester United player next summer? Or do you think we're, we're just going to be sort of... Scraping around on deadline day next summer, bringing in
0: I don't know, forty-year-olds Latin or something. I, I think, <laughs> I think next window or next summer, like they're two phrases that are gonna haunt haunt me because we've been hearing that for quite a while now. Because some may say that obviously we got Maguire in for eighty million, and that might have been a season too late. I swear so that was a next summer kind of situation as well. And then um, Bruno Fernandez was in that like a window or two later than we actually had interest in him. So it just seems like we seem to do things late. But what United does have is an ego and we are a bit stubborn. So I think the board will look at it or United will look at it thinking we didn't make a good account of ourselves in the transfer window. So we're going to do whatever it takes to make up for it next time. That's wishful thinking by me. I don't know if they're going to think that way, but that's how I feel like any sane person would think. We're going to put this right. So would it surprise me if you go and sign Open McConnell, Jalen Sancho, and the likes in the future, and no, I wouldn't. Have we gone the difficult way around it? Probably. Do we always go around the difficult way? Probably as well. So um, we don't ever seem to do anything easy anyway, but I do see possibly the board or United or the Glazers, Matt Judge Edward, looking at it and thinking, especially with the next one of games we had, because. You might be able to ask me this question in six weeks' time when we kind of see if United do in the next run of games because we've got a very very difficult schedule ahead. So it could almost seem like when we do get these players in the future, it could be out of pure desperation as well, which sure. is yeah, which is unfortunate. I know we're not trying to be too negative, but we've got to be real. And whenever I see stuff happening when, in terms of the club, I'm going to speak on it, and it's not we don't know yet obviously there's only been a few games so we don't know whether we are being a bit prisoner of the moment but from what it looks like from the eye test and visually how our squad looks and how we've looked against the current teams with the games that we have um, going into the next couple of months it's not pleasant viewing and if we don't end up getting reinforcements in Jan I think it could be a problem so never mind in the next summer I think Jan might be some might be a situation where if we don't make any progress in terms of who you want to sign, we could be in quite a bit of trouble. And as Henry Winter said on Monday, we're at risk of being left behind.
1: We are indeed, mate. Well said, it is not, you know, yeah. you know, it is it is grim, but it's you know, you're, you're speaking the truth, and I'm with you on that one. I think that we are in danger of getting left behind, and you don't want to go too melodramatic after three games or whatever it has yeah. been in the league, but. You can't ignore the fact that we have looked yeah. well off the pace and the signings, as you mentioned earlier, we made aren't necessarily first team ones. I know they need strengthening. And I'm glad they've come in. Um, but is it enough? I'm very skeptical. And I'll be honest with you, as someone who's backed and Solskjaer since the day set foot in Old Trafford, both as a player and as a manager, obviously, I'm very worried for him. I really am, especially yeah. you mentioned that run. I mean, that is the run from, from hell that yeah. we've got. You know, you've got like massive games every three days. At one point, uh, difficult games, you know, um, Champions League games, games against some of the top teams, games against the teams around us. It ain't going to be easy. And also, I know everyone's got no crowds in this pandemic. I get it. But that's a time when Olly would want the Old Trafford faithful to be behind him. And we're not going to be there. Um, and I think he could do with us. Because I think, by and large, despite what you might see on social media, and despite the fact that, yes, the crowd will rightly call out the owners, and I've been part of that. I think that we always get behind the manager and we always get behind the team and I think he needs that now more than ever. Just like he needed signings in the summer now and more than ever, but as we've seen before, he didn't get him. You, you were right when you said, you know, Bruno was a, a window too late and not even a window too late, the end of the window, the end of January yeah. after the Burnley defeat. Very reactive, as you, you said earlier, right? So, you know, Harland, we didn't get him. We get a Galo on the last day of the January transfer window when he's knocking on his director's door saying, I want to go to Manchester United. We get... Cavani this time round when he's Cavani's been a free agent for months and we've signed him that late he may miss the Newcastle game because of quarantine does someone want to explain the logic to me you've got a player that he's sat there willing to come to Manchester United he doesn't even have a club and you've waited that long he could now miss part of the games you need him for because he's got a quarantine.
0: I think I was I think they waited last minute because it's just us being cheap again, because we didn't want Because we didn't want to pay the extra two hundred and fifty grand or
1: whatever day. for his waves for that week. I mean, it's completely pathetic. Um, so you know, it is sort of a bit deflating. And I'm actually I, I don't really like international football, but I'm glad we've got a bit of a break from the football because I think the players who aren't playing for England or their countries need a bit of a rest. And I think we all need a rest from it all. Uh, but we will be back with the tier one transfer podcast next week, even though we haven't got many transfers to talk about in terms of who we're going to be signing. There's still, I mean, the window's not shut shut because we can still sign maybe Ishmael Azar or someone from Watford or whatever, but we will be having a guest next week. Um, we're going to be having a, someone we've had on before, very reliable tier one journalist who's going to be t- talking to us about how he felt, feels going to Solskjaer, has been treated this summer and what's next for Manchester United. I've been Jay, that's been Ronaldo. This has been the tier one transfer podcast. Don't forget to hit like, share and subscribe. Thanks for watching.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.